0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. If you will, let's go to our foundational scripture, which is in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We are in a lesson three of this particular uh, series. In this season, and in this time that we're in, in this in this time of restoration, in this time of preparation, and we've been asking ourselves, you know, are we prepared for God's next move? Are we prepared for what's coming next? And we've told you in time past, and we'll tell you again, there's always something coming next. There's always something else coming. But are you prepared for what's next? And here in Hebrews, we're using the example of Noah. And church, Noah, I'm telling you, was prepared. Let's look, let's look at it. In chapter 11, verse 7, the scriptures read, By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Now see, that's, let's just pause right there. That's what God is trying to tell us every Sunday. He's telling us of things that have not yet to be seen. I mean, see, when we read it in the Bible, we... Okay, I can understand it. But when I tell you something's coming next... uh, It's It's the exact same thing. He's the same God. Let's read it again. By faith, Noah being warned... Mm, It's a warning of God of things not seen as yet. Moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness which is by faith. Hmm. I wonder how many of you are preparing for your house. Church, Noah was prepared. Did you hear me? Noah was prepared. He was prepared in advance. Noah was prepared to be used by God. Nobody wants to... God will tell people that he wants to use them and they go do something else. He was prepared to be used by God. Noah was prepared because he did advanced planning. When God began to speak to him, he started getting things where they need to be. Getting everything, in order. advanced planning. And this is the time, right? What we're in right now is the time for advanced planning. So when things change... And things happen, you can be in place. Noah was prepared to deal with adversity, are you? Noah was prepared to establish the will of God. And it is clear that Noah was prepared to save his house. Because he put everything on the line. He put ridicule. He put people shouting things at him. He did not care. He put it on the line because why? He heard from God. The question for us in this time and in this season in our lives is we need to ask ourselves, are we prepared? You have to ask yourself. Even though God is dealing with us collectively as a ministry, but God is also dealing with us individually as a person. And he's asking you, are you prepared? Ask yourself, am I prepared to go through the process of restoration? Or everybody wants to be restored, but are you prepared to go through the process of it? See, we just want boom, there it is. But there's a process in restoration. Are you prepared for that? Are you prepared to restore uh, restore the breaches in your life, in your family, in your home, I mean, you have family members. See, when I say family, I'm just not talking about just your immediate family, your extended family. Are you prepared to restore those breaches? There's things that's been going on from generation to generation. Are you willing and prepared to establish a plan for your life? Are you prepared to establish your house based on principles? Talking about principled lives. Are you prepared in the midst of everything that's going on in our country, in the midst of political crisis, in the midst of economic crisis, racist crisis, in in the midst of it all, instead of getting caught up on CNN, MSNBC, ABC, are you being prepared? For God to use you in the midst of everything that's going on. Church, we need to ask ourselves, are we prepared to do what God has called us to do? Are we prepared to be who God has called us to be? Not just in word, but also in deed. And then we we need to understand that if we are prepared to do what God has called us to do, be what God has called us to do, the intent of this whole teaching is simply put... I just want to keep us focused. And that's a hard thing to do when you don't want to be focused. It's just like children. When they don't want to be focused, it's hard to keep there. I mean, some of your attention span is as long as my granddaughter and my grandson, and you're an adult. But you have to, have the whole intent is you have to stay focused in the midst of everything going on, in the midst of your loneliness. To get back together, you must still be focused. I told you that we need to be focused on the work that was done before the pandemic. We need to be focused on the work while the pandemic is going on. And we also need to be focused on the work that needs to be done after this is over with. I'm focused on it. I know what we need to do. Are you following me? I want us to focus on the work. And I want us to focus, because there are still goals that God wants us to reach. There's still the will of God that we must have in place. We must do. It needs to be accomplished. And it needs to be accomplished by us. Are you following me? The purpose of this teaching is to ensure that we maximize the span of time that we're in. The time that God has given us. Remember, time You're only given allotted a certain amount of time, and then time's up. So are we maximizing the, time, the span of time that God has given us? We are in perilous times right now, and we're actually we are in one of the most unique times of our life, in most of our all of our whole life. We've never experienced things that we have experienced. It says 2020 and 2021. None of us has experienced a lot of these things that are happening right now. The goal of this teaching is for us to prepare for what comes next. Warning of what's not yet seen. Listen, again, there's always a next. And I want to make sure that whenever that comes, whatever comes next, we must be prepared. Whatever comes next for your life, whatever comes next for this church, whatever comes next, period, you need to be prepared. Whatever is going to come next spiritually, naturally financially that's coming next you need to be prepared because I want you to know something else is coming that is a warning we dealt with two questions so far and the first one we at dealt with was what am I awake then we dealt last week in uh, with um, are we prepared in our hearts and this week we're going, to delete, we're going to deal with a third question. So in our first lesson, we asked the question, am I awake? And we dealt with that during this time that we find ourselves in. Am I awake? And I told you it's essential that we be awake. And I oftentimes, oftentimes, a lot of times, in the midst, when you, it, the essential moments of our lives and times of our life, when we should be awake, we are asleep eyes wide open but we are asleep. We get so caught up in things and we think we got it going on but you sleep you sleep at an essential time. Let me tell you you're going to if you don't wake up now you're going to be in trouble when what next comes because you won't be able to handle it. You won't be able to handle it. Are you following me? Now, we find ourselves sleepwalking, just sleepwalking around. We think we, we got on. We're still trying to impress people. We're still, we're sti- still giving all of our best to the world. And it's passing away. We're giving everything that we know how to do and everything we want to do. We're giving it all to the world. And giving God so little. So little. I'm telling you, you, I, I, let, let me tell you. Please don't tell me. I'm teaching too long when you can watch CNN for hours. And you can, I mean, you got, don't, please don't say that was too long. Not when you can sit and watch the world and let the world talk to you over and over. And they're saying the same repetitive thing. They're not, but you stay there and you listen to it for hours. Sometimes you don't even know how long you've been there. And you say, "Woo, how long have I been sitting here? But if I go any time over, you act like it's too long. It shows where your interest lies. But we have those that their interest lies with the things of God, and they don't mind because they want all they can get because they're preparing for the next. And guess what? You're going to want to get on their horse when it comes because you won't have no horse to get on. You're going to want to jump on what they have to, to make it in this. I'm going to need it. Never say never. Amen? So we need to be awake and we need to be fully engaged at the time where you're, when your attention is needed the most, which is right now, you need to be engaged. All the things that's going on. You need, it's essential. That we be awake. It's essential. We said when we're awake, we're aware of the times. Are you aware of the times? It's essential that we're aware of the times. Also, are you aware of the spiritual climate of the time which we live? Some people are walking around, love God, or say they love God, don't even understand the spiritual climate that we live in. That's why God is trying to tell us to what to do in this time. A, he's saying, get yourself together. You're not understanding the spiritual times that you find yourself in. Because you're in it now. It's not changing. Also, when I work, I am ala- I'm awake. I am alert to temptation. Some of us temptation keeps sneaking up on us, and we. Don't. Let me tell you, but see, we're thinking of temptation is something we're gonna readily see, like adultery. And then, no, 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 no. It, temptation just gets you caught up with everything that takes you away from God, and you think that oh, let me tell you, if you're just exasperated about what you're doing, and that's all you're thinking about, let me tell you, you've moved away from God. Temptation. Now, there is the temptation of sin. It's out there. It's everywhere. There's the temptation, are you aware, to compromise? Many have. The temptation to quit? Many have. The temptation for the uh, to settle for less than God's best? Oh, my God, many have. Uh, you have to be alert to the fact that sin is subtle talked about it last week it's subtle it's not going to be so obvious it's subtle and we're living in a time that temptation will cause us to sin to it, it'll subtly slip upon you and i mean you know when you're going to find out it was sin when that which comes next happen and you have no answer and it's coming it have already snuck upon you subtly and it's already causing you to miss the mark not only do I have to be aware of the time I'm in alert of temptation, but I have to be able to respond. When I'm awake, I'm able to respond to the instructions of God. I'm able to respond to the correction of God. And I'm able to respond when I am needed by God. The time that He needs me. Then last week we asked the question, is my heart prepared? See, you can be aware, you can be alert of what's going on, but... If your heart, your heart, your heart, if it's not prepared. Listen, in these times it's essential that our hearts be prepared. You can have all of that going with an unprepared heart and you just you, you all all messed up. It has to all connect. Are you with me? Now, just because you desire, and many of you out there, and I, and I get it, just because you have a desire to do something doesn't mean that you have a heart, that your heart is prepared to do it. You just have a desire, and that's okay, but you have to first get your heart prepared. Listen, you may want to be restored. You may want to establish a plan for, for your life. You may want to establish a principal home. You may really want that and desire that. But just because you desire something, who oh, I want to drive that home, doesn't mean that you're prepared for it. Oh, that's what I want. Okay, but now are you prepared for it? Because, I mean, everything that I said, I believe that the whole church, would, everybody would want that for their family. And desire that for your past. But how many are prepared in their heart for it? The, the children of Israel. They desired to go into the promised land. They wanted to be in that land. They were glad to get out of Egypt. They ran across on dry shard. They was glad when the Red Sea swallowed up the enemy to get into that land. They're like, we're going to a land that flows with milk and honey? Let's go. Wanted to be in a place that God had provided for them. You want that. I get it. I want that. All of us, we want to be in a place where God, like the minister said this morning, from where you are to get where you need to be, all of us want that. But your heart, is your heart prepared for it? Because it's a It's a process to getting there. We don't want to go through nothing. We just want to be put there. That's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. Your heart has to be prepared. And if you're going to be strong and courageous, you're going to listen. I don't know how many times I could say it. If you ever want to be strong and courageous, you must have knowledge. Anything because Let me tell you, you're going to have fear when you don't have knowledge. That's what gives people fear. They don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what. When you have knowledge, you're kind of prepared. You're like, well, wait a minute. This, that. But when you don't know, there comes fear. (sighs) Your heart is prepared when you are strong and courageous. Now, ask yourself, am I strong and courageous? And then I gave you good news about that. I said, but everybody can be strong and courageous. Everybody can be. Listen, again, knowledge makes us strong and courageous. When I know who I am, when I know what I'm fighting for, and most importantly, what I'm fighting with. See, when you have God on your your side, see, you have to know that. You have to know that before you go into battle. You got to know what you're fighting with. What's on the inside of me? It gives you strength and it gives you courage. That's what, ha- that's what happened to David. That's how he was, ba- be, was able to go make Goliath to go lie down. He was strong on the inside. He had something and he was courageous where people that were trained for it had fear, lack of knowledge. Church, again, this is our saying around here. When you know who you are Everything in your life changes when you know who you are. We said that my heart is prepared when I can make the tough decisions. That's when I can choose righteousness, when I can choose life, when I can make decisions and that keeps me in the will of God. See, it's nothing wrong a lot of times with a lot of things that we do, but it ta- when it starts taking us away from God, it's a problem. You have to be balanced in anything you do. You can't let it take you, take you away. i tell my sons, whatever. You might be into all the workout and all that stuff, but anything that's going to take you away from God, you gotta, you, then you're going to have to say, wait a minute, let's balance this. It's easy to do. It's easy to get caught up with it. See, we're... Listen... You, Everybody likes, you know, they, they want their flesh this way and their flesh. But and I, I was talking to Isaac, I said, but what is it to have your flesh look good? And what is it that you feel healthy? What is it that you got off of meds? What is a, if you have a sin-sick soul, what is it? If you have a sin-sick soul, your tail is on the way to hell with all of that. You can have all of that. Listen, and again, there's nothing wrong with it. Can you balance it? Because it's nice to have your spirit as strong as your body. But if you have a sin-sick soul, guess what? All the kudos that you're going to get is right here on earth. That's it. But you're going to be standing before the living God. No kudos there. There is a balance. You better grab that balance straight across the board. Not only, my sons, everybody, in, in whatever that you do, whatever that you do, it doesn't matter. But let's put exercise aside. Just what else do you do that's causing you to get away from God? And it's not the thing that you're doing in sin. It's that your mindset, you're asleep. All you're doing is daydreaming. And this is what's going to get you in the trap when that which comes next. The warning has been given. The warning has been given. Amen. Listen, just because it is desirable when you make a decision. See, you can make desirable decisions okay this is the decision gonna it doesn't mean that the decision is going to be easy that's what we want we want any decision that we make we want it to be easy but that it doesn't work that way just because it's like okay I want this to do it, it may not be easy to make it's, it's a tough decision are you with me Jesus said narrow is the way that leads to life righteousness holiness and few find that way Wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many go that way. Many go that way. Many choose that way. Many make the tough decision to go that way, while others make the tough decision to go the narrow way. See, it's a tough decision when you see everybody, all your friends and all your family, going the wide way, and you have to make the tough decision. Tough decision. Do I follow them or do I go the narrow way? See, I desire to go the narrow way, but it's not an easy decision. But it's your choice. And you have to understand that it's your choice. Remember, you can choose any way you want to. Just don't act like you can choose the circumstances, consequences of your choices that's built in to that foolishness you're in. Are you following me? Then we said that the heart is prepared when I'm prepared for change, when I understand that change is going to happen. When I get myself in a position where I can remain who I am, no matter the changes, now your heart's prepared. No matter what's going on, no matter what's going on in the country, no matter what's going on in my family, no matter what struggles is going on, I am going to stay focused on God. I'm not going to get off, no matter the changes. Then you know your heart is prepared. Now, if you got all that, let's go to the new information. Go with me, if you will, to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. For those of you that may not know, that's in the Old Testament. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Now, title this, if you will, Am I Prepared? To make the commitment. Are you prepared to make the commitment? Listen, you have to be prepared to make the commitment. See, God has already, He's already been speaking to you. Now you have to be prepared to make the commitment. See, I can be awake, my heart can be ready, but I also have to be ready to make the commitment. See, I can desire something, but not be prepared. For the commitment the commitment is pro- this is very important you got to get this. you know there's a lot of people they desire education but they're not prepared to make the commitment. See if you if you want an education you have to be committed to study time. you have to be committed to the sacrifice of the financial uh, whatever it is the financial sacrifice to get the education. All of those things, you have to be, you have to start focusing. And you have to be committed to it. Are you with me? Listen, you have to be prepared to make the commitment because if you don't know, listen, because this is what you... With any commitment, straight across the board, any commitment you make, you got to be prepared to be committed because you do not know what the condition is until after you've made the the, uh, commitment. After you've made the commitment, that's when you're going to find out what comes with it. You're not going to find out before. You have to be committed first. So you have to be prepared to be committed because something else is coming. You're not going to know it until after you've made the commitment. That is why now everybody should know that's why commitment is so tough for people. They're like, well, wait a minute. I don't know. Do I have to? That's why it's so tough. That's why you can desire something, but not be prepared to make the commitment. Why? Because I don't know the conditions of what's going to happen if I commit to that. Because you won't know it until after you made the commitment. <laughs> now let me give you some examples so that you, you'll understand how this works. I began to think about it over 40 years ago. Me and my husband was married 40 years. Over 40 years ago, I stood at an altar. And, and, and you all, you could think in your head where however long it was for you because to make it personal to you. And I, ke- and I made a commitment to get married. That was a commitment. Listen, and I can tell you at that time when I made the commitment to get married, I didn't realize the conditions that came with it. I didn't realize the conditions that, that, that I was going to experience when I made the commitment. And in my marriage, we had wonderful times, we had lovely times, we had good times, we had fantastic times, but, and, and let me say this for the record, we had a great marriage. Our marriage was just where we wanted to be, but we also had struggles. Listen, challenges, unexpected things that happened. Things me and my husband had to deal with in just different Just being married. Listen, we were not, but when we stood up there, and when most of you stood up there at the altar to get married, I didn't think about any of that. All we were thinking about was saying, yes, I do, and I want to get with you. And yeah, you know, I want you to be my wife. I want you to be my That's all you think about at the altar. We never thought about it. I never thought about it. I wonder what's going to happen. Are we going to have this? No, because it don't come until after the commitment. You're not going to know it until after the commitment. You don't know the conditions until after the commitment. When I became a pastor's wife... I didn't understand what that was. I didn't understand all it entailed. I didn't understand the sacrifices that was going to be made with that. But I was committed to be a pastor's wife. When I became pastor of this church, listen to me closely. I didn't realize all the conditions. My husband had that responsibility. Listen. When I became pastor of this church, I didn't know it was going to be a pandemic. I didn't know that I would be ministering like this in an empty sanctuary with four or five people. Didn't know it because after the commitment, I'm just trying to drive something home to you. Didn't know any of the conditions at the time that I made the commitment. See there's one thing that happened whenever you make a commitment in your mind in our minds this is what this is how people think in our minds we think if i make the commitment i know how everything is supposed to go it don't work like that that's what we think If I make a commitment, I know the way everything is supposed to go. We make commitments based on saying, well, I already know how it's going to go. So now I'm going to commit to it. Until, after you made the commitment, other conditions come up. I'm going to do this. And then this is going to happen. And you know, and it's gonna end up, everything's gonna end up, everything's gonna be great. I already got it all mapped out. But the problem with that is this, there's always conditions that you don't know about. At the time, you make a commitment. That's why you must be prepared. It's like people, when they get renovations, they'll tell you how much the renovations cost. They'll tell you everything, and you're like, yes, okay, well, okay, $50,000. Okay, we got that. Let's do it. Let's do it. And, everything. and then they run into something, and they come back, and they say, oh, we got a problem. But you've already committed that's conditions after that you don't know about. That's why people don't want to make the commitment. But that's why you must be prepared when you make the com- commitment that anything could happen after I make this commitment. But I'm committed to it. I hope you're getting that. See, again, you may want to restore the breaches in your home, in your family, in your life. But once you make the commitment to do that, there will be conditions that you don't expect. There will be. You may want to restore your house, your family, but once you make the commitment to get on it, and that's what's going to happen, let me tell you, there's some conditions going to come up that you did not expect. Yeah, I was doing that, but I didn't expect that. Well, that comes with commitment. Are you following? I'm just giving you examples so you can understand how it works. And it's across the board. You even may want to go through the process of restoring yourself, being made whole. But once you start the process of restoration, there will be some things that you did not expect. There will be some conditions that you didn't see on the front side of making that commitment. There will be. Always is. Are you with me? Now, before I unpack this message, let me give you four definitions of what it means to commit. And these definitions are going to guide us uh, as we go through the rest of the message. But I don't want to unpack it without you having this as a foundation for everything we'll say after that. Write it down. To commit means, ooh, this is good, to pledge. Mm, To pledge. When you pledge, let me tell you what that means. It means to give my word as a security to my actions or for my actions. A pledge, it means to give my word as a security for my actions. In other words, I've given my word and my word is the down payment... It is the security of my actions. Now, all of you that pledge all this Greek stuff, I believe a lot of you gave gave, gave all that security word more to those fraternities and sororities than you did to God. Because it's a pledge. You got behind the let me tell you, you got behind closed doors and you pledged. Did you hear the definition? Security of your word. Ask somebody to pledge something at church. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, that's what commitment is. Pledge. You're going to know what my actions are. Why? Because I pledged them. I pledged them. I've given my word. Think about telethons that they used to do in earlier days or older days whenever remember that when they used to do pledges you know they couldn't get money instantly like you can now with everything that's going on we got electronics you can so they would do pledges and they'd say we we've raised 1 million dollars in pledges 2 million dollars in pledges in other words they were saying people have called in and given us their word the security of their word that we've got this much coming in they given their word as security what for their actions So they expect that money to come in. Because why? The person made a pledge. This is what commitment means. See, you commit yourself to something when there's a pledge. Listen, are you prepared to make a pledge? To let your word be a security of of your actions? Ask yourself. To commit also means, listen, to entrust. It means to have an assignment placed in my hand. To commit means to entrust. Entrust. It means to have an assignment placed in your hands. An assignment placed in your hands. So the question is, am I prepared to have an assignment placed in my hands? Because that's a commitment. Third definition of this word uh, commit. Here's one. (laughs) I'm telling you. I'm telling you. (laughs) When I started unpacking this this, this, this one is a good one. I said, God, nobody's as awesome as you. This one you may not like, but nevertheless, it's what commit means. You may not like it much. Commit means to imprison. Imprison. To imprison means to give up my rights, to give up my choice, and my freedom willingly. When I commit, it is to imprison. And it means I give up my rights, I give up my choice, and I give up my freedom willingly. You say, Pastor, I was with you until you said in prison. But that's what commitment is. That's what... Think on it. That's what commitment is. Commitment is really... And imprisonment. Think on it. You're giving up your rights. You're giving up your choice. And you're giving up your freedom. Why? Because I've been entrusted with something. Because he means it's entrusted. God's placing something in your head. I'm entrusted with something. That's why we here at COLW say marriage is a divine institution created by God, whereby two rational human beings choose to come in partnership with an imperfect person, I choose to come together and marry an imperfect person. That is a commitment. That's why it's God's institution. Everybody say marriage is an institution. Marriage is an institution. And you are in an institution if you are married. Now, listen, if it's a bad marriage, it's a penal institution. But nevertheless, it's an institution. Nevertheless, it's an institution. it, It is what it is. Why? It's a lifetime sentence. Guess what? Without the possibility of parole, <laughs> and you can't get a new cellmate. You're in the institution. Commitment. Show you how serious it is. And you're in that institution for the rest of your life. Commitment. Fourth definition of commi- commitment means to. To do. It means to do. In other words, commitment means to do, listen, what is required for as long as it is required. Ooh, that's different. Commitment is to do what is required as long as it's required. So if it's all of your lifetime, you have to be committed to that. Now let's use these definitions and unpack our points today and unpack this word today so we can follow now that you have that down and something that you can go back and look at then let's unpack this and get an understanding our first point write it once you don't have to write it anymore i'm prepared to make commitment when colon point number 1 when i'm prepared to make a pledge in other words i'm prepared to make the commitment When I'm prepared to give my word as a security for my actions. And again, I must reiterate, remember every commitment is not to a man, not to a church, it's to God. Whatever commitment is, is to God. So when I'm talking about making a pledge, I'm really giving God my word as a security for my actions so that God's going to know how I'm going to act based on what I said. Mm, mm, mm. Now see, commitment takes on a whole nother realm. I've just gave God my word as security to do what I said. I'm, I'm going to act on what I said, what I committed to. Now, you or someone else may be the benefactor. Of the com- uh, of of what the result of the commitment, but the commitment is to God, somebody might get blessed by it, but the commitment is not to the person. It's not you might even get blessed by being committed, but the commitment is to God. you got to get that. see, if you get that understanding, let me tell you you stay with your commitment. See, you won't just hop all around and do any old kind of thing because you think you're committed to a person or you're committed to something or you're committed to a church. You go, No, no, no. No, no. Your commitment is to God. You see, I have to say, I made a commitment to Him. And oftentimes we think that we make a commitment to ourselves, To others. But if you you need to get the understanding, all commitments, every commitment you do is really made to God. Are you with me? now you may you may make a, com- uh, a commitment to somebody else or to another person. again, the benefit they might be the beneficiary, but again, driving it home your, de- your decision to make a commitment is to God. Go back to the definition of marriage. It's your choice. You made the commitment. So stop whining about it. Stop getting depressed about it. Stop getting down. You made the commitment. You are institutionalized now. You can't get out of it. And guess what? Escaping in your mind is against the Word of God. I know i got to stay here, but oh, uh, yeah, you are, you're against the Word of God. You, let me tell you, you're in that penal institution because, again, you thought you knew how everything was going to go. Before you made the commitment, then you made the commitment. Oh, it's gonna go this way. It's gonna go that way. It's gonna be this. We got, you know, we gotta play house. We gotta cook. We gonna have sex. Nobody. We can have it as much as we want. See all of that, and then you find out when you got on the other side, it's so many other conditions come with it. Okay, let's start reading uh, here in Ecclesiastes chapter five, beginning at verse four. When thou vowest to vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Listen to me here. The word vow and pledge are the same. Are you with me? Verse 5. Better is it that you should not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Now look at number six, the first part. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. I love that. Most of us, let's, let me tell you, most of, the, of, of us heard this growing up. Listen, we heard it from our parents. But see, our parents paraphrased it, and we didn't know it was scriptural. They would say something like this, don't write no check that your behind can't cash. It's the same thing. Same thing. They were saying, don't let your mouth cause you to commit something or pledge to something that you don't have the ability to back up with the security of your actions. See, you can't... You better be quiet. Think about it. When you go to courts and you see people in courts, listen, they just innately know that their commitment is to God because they say they put to, put your hand on the Bible in court put your hand on the Bible do you swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth so help me God so God help me not to lie do you swear and you put it on there you're making that commitment to God now see the system think it's to them you put putting your hand on the Bible and you're saying and they, that's what they have it there for And many people, and many, some of you may have been sworn into to, to your job or going to be sworn into different offices, or whatever it is, sworn into fraternities and sororities. You swore to an oath. Commitment, listen, commitment is always to something that's higher than yourself. It's always to something higher than yourself. Commitment is always to a person higher than you. So when I say prepared, see, we like to pray to God for stuff. We like to confess that God is going to give us stuff. Now, but I'm, I'm talking about a, a different level of communication with your Heavenly Father. Because we always go, God is good him. Are you prepared to get down on your knees and commit to God with your words and let your words be a security for your actions and God can count on you doing what you said? See, we always know God is going to do what he says. And we'll say it. Well, you know, God is always going to do what he's going to do. God is going to do what he, oh, you know, God, God's going to always do what he said he's going to do. But wait a minute. That's true. But are you going to make a vow to God and do what you're going to do? Are you going to make a commitment to God? You know, some of you, even in the teachings that have gone on since we've been in the pandemic, you said to yourself, oh my God, the teachers have really really changed me. I mean, just from one teaching to another, you know, it has pointed some things out in my life that I know I need to change. Now, you should. You you, you, you That should have been happening. Oh, they, it's just been so good. It showed me some things that I know that I'm all out of line with. I must change. But are you ready to make the commitment to change? See, just saying it is nothing. Are you ready to make the commitment? Are you ready? Are you ready to pledge that you need to change? (laughs) See, you may desire it. You may even identify with it. You identify with what you, I know I need to do that. Ooh, But are you prepared? Am I prepared to now let my word be a security for my actions? And there's many things you can struggle with. Now, see, we're talking about making vows. Now, let me tell you, if God has commanded you to do something, then you have to <laughs> commit to it. See, you don't get away with it as long as I don't commit to it. Well, no, no. If he, he, don't get ignorant because God is just going to straighten you out. Because there ain't no way you you telling God to be committed to you and you don't want to commit to nothing he's saying. Nothing he's telling you to do. Hmm. Listen, I'm prepared to commit letter A when I'm prepared to be faithful. What does it mean to be faithful? It means to get up every day striving to be the best that you can be. To do the best that you can do. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that most men will proclaim their own goodness. But a faithful man, who can find? Who can find? Because everybody's talking about what they will do and can do and do that. But faithful men, who can you, who can you find? In other words, if I'm going to use my words as security for my actions, I've got to be prepared to be faithful. Now, you know what? I, I have learned from, from just watching people in this ministry over the pandemic just watch it. See, a lot of times people think social media, media is just bondage. But let me tell you, you can watch people's lives on that and you'd be like, oh my God. I, you know what? I, I would tell you, people at church are living water. They are faithful people. Because I have seen them being faithful to everything but God on there. They do everything. I'm like, you were not that faithful at church. I'm faithful to doing this. I'm faithful to doing that. It's going to get you in the end. Remember I told you that. Tell your family, remember she said that. So when it happens. So don't tell me you you can't be faithful. I can't make that. No, you don't want to make the commitment to do it because you don't want to be faithful. Because I see you being faithful with everything else. You have to be prepared to get up every day and do your best. You have to be prepared to do the best you can do, guess what? Regardless of the conditions, regardless of the circumstances that you might face. Why? Because I'm committed. I'm prepared to be committed, letter B, when I'm ready to be responsible. That is, responsible for what I committed to. Are you responsible for what you committed to? Or have you made some commitments and you're still irresponsible? Think on it. Things you said you were going to do and you still haven't done them. You know what I find? I found out that it is nothing worse than an irresponsible person promising to do something. That I mean, that ain't nothing worse than that. To, for an irresponsible person to promise to do something. You worry about it because you think to yourself, you realize the last time they said it, they didn't do it. And the time before that, they didn't do it. So you have to ask yourself, am I prepared to be responsible? That is to do what I said because I said it. Security for my word. I said it, I'm going to do it. Listen, not because somebody else said it, Not because somebody else is making me do it. But my word is security for my actions. And because I said it, it's what I mean, and it's what I'm going to do, no matter what. Let us see. I'm prepared to commit, uh, uh, commit... when I am prepared to be held accountable. See, there are many people that feel that they're prepared to be faithful, they're prepared to be responsible, but are you prepared to be held accountable? <laughs> That's the problem that we have going on right now, even in our country. And it, and it, it goes on in churches as well. No one wants to be accountable. For things that are going on. Somebody just keep passing the responsibility out to somebody else. Even in our country. We have a nation full of people that gave their words as a security for their actions. Think about it. But now that conditions have changed. Things that happened that they didn't anticipate to happen. Why? Because I didn't know when I made the commitment, I didn't know all the conditions that came on it. Now things have changed. So we have everybody from 2020 to 2021 and, and um, even before them, you know, when, when it was elections times and, you know, in, our, in local election times all over the country, whatever time, we had local politicians we had federal politicians we had uh national politicians every, and everybody was uh, let's let's say it, before the pandemic everybody was happy to put their hands on the bible and and be sworn in happy to make that commitment because see they didn't know any of this was coming but I yes yes I'm put my hands on the bible I'm you know I'm I'm you know so help me god I'm going to look out for this but This is the thing. None of them knew that COVID was coming because he was on the other side. All they know is, yeah, I'm going to have, uh, you know, I'm going to boss this around. I'm the boss about this. And so it was good to put your hands on the Bible. And so all of a sudden, when everything started happening, our former president, he said it's the task force responsibility. Everybody starts shifting. And then the task force said, oh, it's the governor's. It's the governor's responsibility. And then the, everybody started getting on the governor's. Then the governor said, well, wait a minute, no. It's the counties. The county's responsibility. See, everybody starts shifting. Because the, it's the county's responsibility. And the counties look around and say, it's the school board. The school board's responsibility. They should be doing it. And then the school board looks around and say, well, the parents need to be making the decision. See, everybody starts shifting because, see, they didn't know what was coming. But they made the commitment. They're in position to make it. But everybody's shifting. Uh-uh, mm-mm. The parents need to make a choice. Nobody wants to be held accountable. So it is in church. Something goes wrong. Everybody was ready. I'm telling you, before the pandemic, everybody, everybody in politics, everybody in their position was was just ready to open their mouths about everything. They had their say-so on everything until the pandemic hit. Now, nobody wants to say the responsibility and the accountability is mine. Nobody will say it. I don't want to be held accountable for that. I came from China. I'm not responsible. I don't want to be held accountable. I I don't want the accountability to rest with me. I want the position. I want the accolades. I want you to notice me. I want to be voted in. But when something happens, don't hold me accountable. We have over, I looked it up, 30.7 million cases of COVID. And 555, half a million just died. And nobody's responsible. That's, I mean, that's a lot of People. Over half a million people dead. Thirty point seven million in the whole in the whole. I mean, really? Who? I mean, half over half a million died in this country. Worst thing. Worst country it ever. Listen, we're worse than any country that have no running water. They don't have this. They have no running water. They have no plumbing. They have no sewage. No functioning hospitals. No sanitary control. We're doing a hundred thousand times worse than them. When you have that many people dying. Listen. We, let me tell you, we're doing worse than a third, what we would call a third world country. And guess what? It's not because we don't have doctors. We do. It's not because we don't have health care. We do. I don't care how much you have to pay for it. We have it. It's not because we don't have world class hospitals. We do. Facilities that we have. We do. We do. Individuals just don't want to be accountable. And see, this is what you have to do when you commit it. And, and individuals don't want to be even committed to, to um, be accountable for their neighbor. People that service them in the grocery store. I'm not wearing no mask. I'm not being. And if you catch it, I'm not being accountable to it. Everybody has passed the responsibility on to someone else. And I think about how many people that just sad in my heart had, that have died. And yet nobody seems to be at fault. This is why when you make a commitment, you have to be accountable. And then you have to ask yourself before you feel high and mighty about, you know, you doing what you're supposed to, you know, and looking at others. What things have you opened your mouth and said that you were going to do? that's now just lying in state and in a state that's worse than it was because you still haven't done what you were supposed to do, just laying around. It's not my fault. But you said to what you were going to do. What about that? Listen, when you make a commitment, understand before you make it, You're not going to have the know the conditions, whatever it is, whatever it is that's why the commitment has to be to an almighty God because you don't know what it's going to be, but if your commitments to God, it doesn't matter what it's going to be because I'm with God, I've committed to God and I'm going to walk it through. but if you're committed to a church, if you're committed to to a person or yourself, well you're going to struggle. But I'm committed to God with this, and it doesn't matter. Listen, to be accountable not only means that you take the good, but it also means that you're accountable when it's not so good. See, accountability doesn't just mean that you get all the praise. See, that's what people want. You know, I get all the praise when everything goes good. I'm going to give account for everything I did because, yeah, I did this. You you don't, you, it uh, it doesn't mean getting all the praise for everything you did right. Look at David. Listen. He, David took praise when he slew Goliath. Fine. But he also took accountability when he slept. He was in sin with Bathsheba. He didn't just take praise. He said, I'm a guy that didn't go to war. And yet, I'm the guy that brought down Goliath. But I'm also the same man that found myself in the bed with another man's wife. He was able to be accountable on both ends. Now, for the first time in your life, you know why God says, He's a man after my own heart. Because he knows how to take accountability in the good and the bad. But if somebody, as soon as something happens bad, everybody starts shifting game. Good blame. I mean, somebody be accountable. So God can say you can be after his own heart. Now watch this. Some of you all are saying, I'm not prepared. Well, get prepared. Everything you say, saying, well, 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 get prepared. This is what it's for. You know why? Because you can't make it through life without making right decisions, without being committed. to it. You're going to make commitments. You make them all the time. Now, whether you're faithful to them or not is a different story, but you make them all the time. But now you know what it means. See, you can be excited about all sorts of things, but you have to be prepared. Excitement get you started, won't be around in the end. I'm prepared to make a commitment, number two, when I'm prepared to be entrusted. When I'm prepared to be entrusted. Church, to be entrusted means to have an assignment placed in my hands. I'm ready to be committed. When I'm ready to have an assignment placed in my hands, I am ready. Now here's the thing, I can be prepared to make the pledge And not ready to be entrusted. Did you hear me? You can be prepared to make a pledge and not be ready to be entrusted. You know why? Because you don't entrust yourself. (laughs) See, you can say, I'm prepared to commit. I'm prepared to commit. I promise, I am prepared to commit. But somebody else has to entrust you to it. Did you hear me? Somebody else has to entrust you to it. See, you can say that you're prepared all you want, but somebody else has to put the trust in you to get it done. So you have to ask yourself, am I prepared to be entrusted? Am I ready for somebody to put an assignment in my hands? Now, I don't know why God had me on marriage so much, but I'm going to stay right here. That's why in a marriage, that's why someone gives away the bride. Did you know that? That's why you have somebody that stands a few steps back from their daughter that's getting married, and and it's just a few rows back, and the pastor say, "Who gives this woman to be married to this man?" In other words, the father or whoever does it says she was. Entrusted to me. At one point, she was entrusted to me, and I got her to this point. But now I'm you. Now when he when the when the father step up and say I give, that I do. You're saying I am now turning the trust over to you. Did you get it? You're asking that man, are you prepared to take on the assignment? And do you understand that there are some conditions that's going to come with that assignment? I love when everybody say they're ready before the commitment. Go and ask them now. A lot of conditions have come with it. That's what they're saying. He said, I do... And when he puts his daughter's hand to that many, he says, I'm entrusting you. I brought her this far. To be committed to her, to take on this assignment, because there's other conditions that's coming with it. And guess what? Those that's usually at the altar, they don't even think about what, <laughs> what the pastor's asking. Cause their head is not there. All they want to do is I just want to be in love, and I'm just it's just marriage, and it's just woohoo, and don't I look beautiful, and it's a wedding. That's all that's in their head. But that was a big question. When a pastor and when I marry someone, that's the big question. Who gives this woman to this man? That's why men. I, you know what I, I, I look at men that just give their daughters to anybody because they daughters love them. I love them. What? the? Me and Isaac was talking and he had me laughing so much. And I said, I just, I just love uh, Deacon Holland. He was, you know, he talks to the, to the. Young people, and he was saying some things Tiffany was telling him, her, you know, different things he, her dad tells her about guys and what to do. And I said, I just love it, I just love it. I said, That's what father's supposed to do. And and uh, she said, Yeah, my dad said, Yeah, and don't don't be grinning and smiling too much for them and laughing and stuff. Well, yeah, you ain't, don't, uh-uh. they think they have a way in, or they they you know, don't you know, you can laugh at what they say, but don't get too tickled. I said, that's good advice. That's, that's what you do to your daughters. I said, see, that's what I'm talking about. Like, no. Wow, he's a man. He knows. He said, yeah, laugh at what they said. Do a little thing, but keep it pushing. Don't get, don't. He, he just keep giggling, giggling, giggling. I guess he said, because let me tell you what men think. That's a good father. Keep listening, Tiffany, to your pops. He's got it going on telling you what it is. I said, I I was laughing so hard. I said, yes, that's what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, Raya, listen to your father. I don't care. I don't care if you got out of high school. Listen, worlds, listen to your fathers. See, I know you look at them like they're dead, but they've been, they've been the age of that guy that you're interested in. And they've been that way. I mean, they, they've been where those guys are. They know what they think. I love that. That was kudos. I said, Lord, I ain't to buy Deacon Islands a gift. That's a good deal. I mean, they, we ought to put that in a book. Don't go grinning too hard at them. Don't get to laughing and giggling. Why? They start thinking you silly and think they can get with you. Sharp. I love it. Uh, I just love it. I said, oh, Lord, we need to teach a class." But uh, I mean, all the men just need to teach a class. But see, I understand. We when when we you, you don't you know you just don't want your parents telling you because most of them, the, them they're gonna tell you the same thing your parents were saying. But it's just different when somebody else tells you. But those that are listening to their parents, you're gonna come out on top. You're going to come out on top. Just all you got to do. Even if you don't understand. Sometimes you're in the years that you don't have to understand. Just obey. You'll un- understand later. Just obey while you can. Amen. So, I, so, again, I don't know why God had me on the marriage thing, but I, that that's a good thing. Amen. That's why when you have somebody, listen, understand, it all. It still all have to go up under the guidelines of the word God. Of God, Amen. Now, so are you ready for the person that's going to be that from that you're gonna be entrusted to? Because it's entrusted, you have to somebody have to entrust you. You can't entrust yourself. Did you hear me? See, everybody thinks that they got it going on, and they think it's a, oh, you know. Everybody say, "I'm ready to have a baby." But are you ready to be entrusted with the assignment of a baby? You know why? Because babies are only babies a few days. And they're children for a long time, but they're grown-ups forever. (laughs) Now watch this. Go to Acts. Acts chapter 6. Run over there right quick. The early church had just gotten started, and it was growing. And it needed to be established. And during this time, there were, there were widows in the church. And the Hebrew widows were being cared for, but the non-Jewish widows were being neglected in the church. So the apostle realized that in order for the word to continue to go forth, someone had to be, to have to take this assignment. And they, and they had to take it very serious. It's a very serious assignment. Because there were many in the church, many widows in the church at that time. And somebody needed to take the responsibility. And look at uh, chapter 6, verse 1. And in those days when the number of disciples were multiplied, there arose the murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration or administration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen... A man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and uh, Nicanor, and Timon, and uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas the proselyte of Antioch. When they sat before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now listen, I I, I love this. Watch this. Stephen, in other words, was entrusted with the responsibility because they had an honest report. Stephen and all the ones that I named, they had an honest report. Now, let's talk about an honest report because that's good. I'm prepared to commit letter A when I have proven character proven character, simply how we are regarded. See, there are many of you that's ready to make a pledge, but you don't have the character. Hmm. So you'll say, you know, we'll do it, whatever it is. But nobody wants to trust you with the assignment. Why? Because your character's not good. They don't want to do it because your character not good. Maybe you really want to do it, but your character's not good. So many of you have to use this time that you have while you're doing everything else. First, commit to God to work on your character. So that what? You could be entrusted with an assignment. And I'm not entrusting you with the assignment. I tell me and my son talk about different things, and he'd be like, "This is that and that's." I say, "Yep, but nope. Uh, uh-uh. uh. I don't. I, I'm not. I can't just trust them with that. I gotta. Let me tell you, I gotta be cautious about everything. Their character has to be seen. So many of you have to use the time this time to get that together. I'm prepared to make a commitment. Let her be. When I am an example. That is when I have, can lead with my life. I'm an example. That's when I'm leading with my life. See, if you, you, we want to see it with your life, not just talk. I'll say it again. I'm prepared to be committed when I am an example. That means that I lead with my life. And I've seen people over the years with... I found in Pastor, and they would say, Pastor, I'm called to preach. God has called me to do this, and God has called me to do that. Listen, especially especially you pastors out there, if you just happen to run in here, there's no need to license somebody just because they come and tell you that they have been called to preach if they have not been ministering with their life already. Their life should be already ministering as an example. Stephen and the others, they laid hands on them and because it pleased the multitude. It pleased the congregation. Why? Because they have been seeing them with their life. They saw their life. They see, even like when we did the deacons, everybody was pleased because they seen their life. They lead with their life. I found him pastor saw them leading with their life. That's why he wanted. He said, I know the ones that's leading with their life. He said they laid hands on them. Please the congregation. In other words, the congregation recognized character. Because the multitude recognized their character. They were entrusted with that assignment with the widows. See you want an assignment? Let us recognize your character. Listen, I'm prepared to make commitment, letter C, when I can be trusted with the assignment. Can you be trusted with the assignment? Here's the question that every one of us have to ask is this. If I pledge to God to do something for him, can he trust you with the assignment? No matter what you think the assignment may be, if it's a simple, small thing to you, can he trust you to do a small thing? If his assignment is for you to clean the toilets, can he entrust you to do that faithfully? If you pledge to God to live righteously, can he trust you with that assignment? If I pledge to bring my children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, can God trust you with that assignment? Ask yourself, If you pledge to God that you're going to establish your house, can he trust you with that assignment? See, it's easy to pledge a whole bunch of stuff, but can he trust you with the assignment to do it? Letter D, I'm prepared to make the commitment when I have reached maturity. When I've reached maturity, these men of good report, they had proven character. They were an example. They could be trusted with the assignment because they had reached maturity. And maturity doesn't mean you're perfect. But what a level of maturity does say is that I've put away some childish things. That's what it does say. Now, if you're still childish, you're just not mature there. Don't mean you don't love God. You just need to mature. That's all. Just You just need to mature. Put away some childish things. A level of maturity also says, "I have wisdom that I can bring to the assignment. If you're given an assignment, what do you bring into it? I have wisdom. You know this can happen, and, and that can happen. And you know what about, uh, what about you? Think? I see, I love when I get emails and, and, and different deals that, that deacons want to do or anybody want to do, is because what I'm bringing something to the assignment that I'm in. Some of you young men need to be looking at the deacons while you busy trying to trying to jump up and be a preacher. You need to you need that's preaching. Get to build your character, because our deacons have character. That's who you need to be getting up under. Are you following me? So a level of maturity does mean that listen, listen, and, and this will let you know. If, you, if, if, if you're really maturing, a level of maturity, I'm not going to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. A level of maturity means that I can handle some adversities, some challenges, without whining and falling away. I don't know. I, oh, do I still have to? Uh, no, not, not mature enough yet. Now, this one is a good one, it's, and this will show you where your maturity is. A level of maturity does mean that I can be corrected without losing my character or leaving my post. Now, you make somebody mad, I'm leaving the church. I'm leaving. I don't want to do that no more. I'm getting out of that. Just not mature enough yet. Just not, not, not mature. Just because you've been corrected. Just because you've been corrected. I don't know. They ain't right all the time. Immature. Immature. (sighs) Listen. A level of maturity again. Can you be corrected without losing your character or leaving your post? Because somebody's going to point out to you in areas you need to grow. So why would you be offended? If somebody points out to you an area you need to grow, why would you be offended? Somebody's trying to help you to get mature, and you're offended because they told you that. Now I'm there. I don't know what they see. No. I have to make sure that I have a level of maturity so that when I make a pledge, and I'm entrusted with an assignment, that I have maturity to keep the assignment. I told you, things are going to be a little different when we come back. Can you keep the assignment? Go with me last chapter to Ephesians chapter 4. Note this as your third and final point. I am prepared to make a commitment when I am prepared to be imprisoned. Mmm, that one that y'all don't like so much. To give up my rights... Give up my choice and give up my freedom willingly to God. Have you ever heard people that's doing something or they got a bill that they locked into or they got something they locked into and they be like, Oh, Lord, I just feel like I'm in prison. I just can't get out. You know, you'd be like, Oh, Lord, we oh, just seem like we've been doing that so long and I'm just in prison. I just feel like I can't do... You know, some locked into marriage. Ooh, Lord, this marriage. I just feel like I can't do anything. I feel lost. You know, I'm just... Ugh, it's just too much. <laughs> yeah, well, that's called commitment that you're locked into. Listen, when you make a commitment, you are imprisoned to the commitment you made. You are imprisoned to the commitment you made. Now listen, you are free not to do the vow. You are free not to make a commitment. But once you make the commitment, you are bound to that commitment that you made. See, I was free not to become pastor. Did you hear me? I want you to get this. I was free. Now, when God began to minister to my heart, I was free. He didn't make me do anything. I was free to make that decision. I was free to say, No, mm -mm, I'm just going to let myself No, I'm not going to do it. But Now, I'm going to have to disobey God not to make that commitment. But it still was my choice. He still wasn't making me. But I realized That in making a commitment, I am now in prison to this office. I am in prison to this office. Listen, see, it's a lot of things. A lot of times all you see is disappear. And you think I can do. Let me tell you, there's a lot of things that I want to do that I can't do. There's a lot of things I want to say that I can't say. Not in this office. There have been a lot of times since I've stepped into this office, I want to quit, but I can't quit. Committed. There's there's many freedoms I just don't have that you have. I don't have. See, I know you look at it like I'm free to do anything I want to. I can't. I'm in prison. Why? Because once you make a commitment, you are in prison to that commitment. Actually, everybody in my house know I'm in prison to the commitment. They know it. Whenever I'm feeling, I'm just kind of walking around doing that, you know, and, and one of my sons will say, Mom, you studying today? Your tail's in prison, so you snap out of it. You're going to go in your room and lock up. And so that means you're in prison. Sometimes they even be, I mean like, especially with the days being pretty like this, in the spring and summer, they go outside and they go in the swimming pool, they barbecue and everything. I'm in the house in prison. And they know it. They be like, we'll bring you a plate. <laughs> we'll bring you a plate when we get through going in your prison. And sometimes they even lock me in my room. They locked the Mama would locked the door, and they shut the door, and I'm locked in the room. You're in prison. To the commitment. I can't do just everything. They out there, and, and they hollering and just doing everything. The children jumping around, barbecue smelling good. I'm in prison. To the commitment. So I know. Oh, see, that's why people always they, they always think grass is always greener on the other side. Let me tell you, it's a lot of things that you can do, I cannot do. And I now I, I see it all oh so well, different things that I would want Pastor to do, and he said, No, we can't do that now. And it was because of the commitment. It imprisons you. Why? Because you pledged to be entrusted with the assignment that's been placed in your hand. Some of you wives that are married to minister, they got assignments in their hand. When they say they can't do it, you have to understand. Say, well, okay, well, I'm going to go have fun. I I understand you're in prison. I'll be right back. And go on and do your thing because they still got to study. They still got to do what they have to do. Because they have to be entrusted with the assignment. Their assignment is to get on in that office or wherever they are, and and right. because uh, you know what what he tells me when my children tell me that, well, Mom, you and and they'll walk down the stairs and I'll come out of my room and I've been in there, and most of the time I I try to do it when everybody's asleep and I don't even go to sleep. Now I come and they come out, Mom, you and I come out the room, Mom, you've been studying. Are you ready for Sunday? Always ready, son. I'm always ready to be. Oh, okay. You want me to cook you something? You want me to like, you who you've been? <laughs> in other words, you damn tell talented is so long in that room. So, okay. You want something to eat? I said, I'm fine. You know. Mm. Basically, what they're saying is, get in that room and bring us a good word, Sunday. That's not all we want you to do. Just, just whatever you need to do, just get in there and do what you need to do to bring us a good word. Close up. So I'm in prison. That's called commitment. When you make a commitment, you are prisoned in prison to the commitment that you made. Now, we have Paul who was literally in prison. Literally in prison. Look at what he says in in chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. He's telling you, Paul not only gave, us his, uh, gave up his rights, his freedom, and his choice, but he literally, literally was in prison for the Lord. Now, he wasn't in prison for stealing and drugs. And he was in prison for the Lord. Look at verse 2. With all lowliness, just let me read it all the way through. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Church, I'm prepared to make a commitment. Letter A. When I'm prepared to give up my will, to give up my will. That is to lay my will down in order to do the will of God. I'm prepared to say, not my will, God, but your will be done. So you have to be ready for that in the commitment. I'm prepared to make the commitment when I'm prepared to do the time. You have to be prepared to do the time. You say, what do you mean, Pastor, when you say do the time? I mean... Don't make the commitment unless you're willing to do the time. No matter what it takes. See, some of you are lazy and you still want to be involved. But it takes. And it amazes me how you can you can spend I like what Pastor used to say, for a whole week you could spend five hours at the church. All the rest of the time you hit the church too much. How? Five hours out of forty. Don't make the commitment if you're not willing to do the time. Because it goes along with the commitment. Listen. Now here's the real truth about a commitment. Most commitment, not all, but most commitments last a lifetime. Did you know that? Most commitments, not all, but most, last a lifetime. See, I didn't realize when me and our founding pastor made the commitment to have children you don't look on the other side, just how long that commitment would last. You don't think on those things. When you haven't you don't you don't sit down and say, Oh, okay, well um, you just say, Okay, let's we okay, we're gonna have a baby, let's get a baby and let's, you know, we will need that baby. And then, you know, then, and if y'all do sit down and talk, oh, yeah, well, you know, we'll have them until about 18. Then they'll go off to college and, you know, and they'll be with other people and then that's it. <laughs> See, but, but nobody thinks of all of that. Nobody thinks when they're having children that it's a lifetime commitment, it is a lifetime commitment. Now, some might think of marriage. Yeah, we're going to spend our life together, lifetime. But children will be around. You think for just a little while, and then they, you know, they're going to be gone. But you didn't realize that it's a lifetime commitment. And there's some of you listening out there, and some of, us, you know what I mean, some of you right here. You are still, uh, I mean, your grandparents great-grandparents or whatever, and you still, right now, as grandparents, great-grandparents, you're still walking in that commitment that you made 30, 40, 50 years ago. You're still in it. I'm still in it. You're in that commitment. When you make a commitment, you have to be willing to do the time. Many of you make commitments, and by the time the weather starts to get cool, you're already tired. Oh, well, when are we going to get a break? We gonna... No, it's a commitment. Already frustrated. Already ready to move on to something else. You know, you do it a little bit like, oh, okay, well, yeah, how long are we going to do it? Well, did you make a commitment? If you do it to Jesus' return, you've got to be committed to it. You're a parent. I mean, you don't stop being a parent because they move out your house. You'll learn that, those of you who got young children. I know that you think, you know, because a lot of times you think, okay, they're going to grow up and they're going to go and they're going on that way and I get on with my life. The commitment, the commitment don't, don't stop there. Even with them having their own families. And you let them be the parents that they need to be, and they have their own family and stuff. But you still, you still got to be there. And especially if you're godly, you better be there. Commitments last a long time, and you got to be ready to do the time. Listen, when you make a commitment, listen, you're getting a sentence. You get a sentence. And it's unlike the criminal justice system. There's no probation. There's no parole. You don't get out early for good behavior. As a matter of fact, when you have good behavior, you usually stay in longer. Like, oh, well, they're really good. I'm just going to hang on in here and I'm doing thing I want to. They, you know, good behavior, you usually even stay longer. But you don't get out. I prepared, last one, to make a commitment, letter C, when I'm prepared to walk worthy. To walk worthy of the vocation in which I'm called. In other words, I'm prepared to do what God has called me to do in an honorable way. In a way that he can get glory. In a way that he can get glory. Not only am I going to stay here because I'm stuck here, and I'm not just talking about marriage, I'm talking about period, because there's assignments that are going to be given out for those that have good character. But are you ready to be stuck with that assignment and make a commitment to it? So you have to ask yourself, am I going to stay here because I'm stuck here? I, it doesn't matter, but I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to do who and be who God has called me to do and be. I'm going to maximize, this is the time, maximize this span of time that we're in, this span of time that God has given us to do. you know what? We have to be committed. Because God is going to lay out the commitment, or uh, well, He's going to lay out the assignment, and he's going to wait for the commitment. He's going to lay it out before him. Remember, we, we pledge, he entrusts. See, it's always somebody has to entrust you with it. We pledge, he entrusts, then I'm in prison. And then once, once I'm there, I've got to walk worthy to the vacation in which I'm called. Once I'm in prison, I've got to walk worthy. Did you hear me? Once you get in prison, you have to walk worthy. And then maybe God will give you dreams and visions and make you where you get out and you'll be higher than you ever was. But you've got to go through those things. Ask yourself out of the things that you've learned today, are you committed? Because there, I mean, just, just look at it. Are you committed to your tithes and offerings? Are you committed to loving everyone, no matter what? Even if they've hurt you, are you committed to it? Are you committed to giving? In church and outside of church, are you committed? Are you committed to the ministry and what God has called you to do here? Are you committed to your spouse? Are you committed to your job? I'm not going to even ask you are you committed to your fraternity or your sorority? I already know. And those things are passing away. These things that I'm talking about have eternal value. That's going to go beyond that. Because this and this and all that, that's not going to, I'm going to tell you, it won't get you in in whatever else sign. But loving someone that's unlovely Given to those that are without, being committed to God's purpose and plan, let me tell you, you will be banking in heaven. You want to get your paper? That's how you stack your paper in heaven. Because that's the only thing that's going, let me tell you, that's the only thing that's going to be worth anything in the end of it all. Make a pledge. Make a pledge to God. Now, if you're out there, and I know that you are, whether you're streaming now or you're streaming later, right now, God loves you. I want you to know that God loves you. Now, he can't be, no, he does, not after what I did. God loves you. And you know what? I know you're ready to change your life. You want to change. And guess what? God is going to meet you right where you are.